Welcome to Sunday School at St. George the Martyr, um, where we're going through a lesson on asceticism. Today we'll be covering almsgiving, but before we start, let's open with prayer. The Lord be with you. Direct us, O Lord, in all our doings with thy most gracious favor, and further us with thy continual help, that in all our works begun, continued, and ended in thee, we may glorify thy holy name, and finally, by thy mercy, obtain everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, so we have been covering asceticism. Um, are we recording? We have sound on YouTube? Am yes. I speaking? Yes. Okay, good. I'm sorry, YouTube. I've, I've dropped the ball on y'all a couple of times in the past. All right, so we're covering asceticism. Could someone tell me what is our working definition for asceticism? What does that mean? Discipline. Discipline, that's right. Okay, so in covering Christian discipline, we talked about why we need that because we all need more discipline in our lives. It doesn't come naturally. Just because you're baptized doesn't mean you automatically do the right things. Um, so under the topic of asceticism, we're talking about prayer. Anyone, does anyone remember anything from the lesson on prayer? Anyone remember the sandwich of prayer? So we've got a prayer rule, right? That's the standard we try to meet each day in our prayers or weekly in our prayers. And our prayer rule is like a sandwich. Your bread, your bottom and top layers that hold everything together is the mass. We meet bookends the weekends. That is the most important part. Your second part is your meat and cheese. What fills you up during the week is your daily offices. It's part of the prayer of the church, you pray your offices. And then your private prayers, which aren't so private because they're part of the corporate prayer of the church, are your devotions, which are your lettuce and mayo and mustard and onions. And those are things that you have, devotions to the stations of the cross, prayer ropes, um, or whatever you personally find meaningful in your life. So that's on prayer. So on fasting, does anyone remember anything from fasting? What do we talk about on fasting? I have done my job well. <laughs> so, um, remember, fasting is giving up something. We generally associate that with, with food, but it's giving up something that's good so that we remind ourselves what's most important. Remember, we have a hierarchy of goods. God is the goal. Union with God is the goal. We give up uh, wine and TV and cigarettes because we can enjoy those things, but those aren't most important. We give them up to remind us what's most important. That's what's important for fasting. So um, this is going to be a lesson on almsgiving. This is the traditional three things that Anglicans can talk about during Lent. It's prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Next class is our last class on asceticism. Please bring your prayer book if you don't. Um, any of the folks that were recently confirmed, you've got a brand new shiny prayer book. We're going to actually go through how to pray the offices, and we're also going to talk about the asceticism that's built into the prayer book, the discipline in the prayer book itself. One reason I want to do that is I don't know what y'all do, but I know that me, for a while, even after I had my prayer book, I had no idea how to pray the offices. I looked at the lectionary, and it might have been written in Greek because I, I had no idea what was going on. So if you have no idea what's going on, we'll talk about that. And I suspect there might be more than one of you that have that issue. So, um, please bring your prayer books to the next class, which will be our last one. We'll also do a little bit of a recap for that class. All right, so we're talking about 
almsgiving. Christian discipline, almsgiving, what does that have to do with disciplining Christ? All right, so here's a prime example of, of what we could think of in almsgiving. It's Mother Teresa, which most, even, you know, Protestants, non-Christians know Mother Teresa and hold her in esteem for the charity that she showed to others, okay? So, our outline for asceticism and almsgiving, we're going to talk about what is almsgiving. We're going to talk about why it's the thought that counts. We're going to talk about how can I give. And under that, we're going to talk about alms in the Book of Common Prayer. We're going to talk about time and skill as a type of almsgiving. And then we're going to do some practical stuff, ministries that St. George supports. And then we'll close with any questions or comments that you have regarding almsgiving. So um, just to start the course, the lesson for today, does anyone want to take a shot at what is almsgiving? What does that even mean? Does anyone have a, want to throw an idea out? Tithing. Tithing. It's associated with almsgiving. What, what is tithing? Let's ask that. What is tithing? Giving one-tenth. Giving one-tenth. Okay. Anyone have anything else they want to add to those ideas that were put out? All right. I think it's sharing what we have with those who are less fortunate. Yes, very much so. Very much so as tied with charity and mercy. So we're going to talk about what is almsgiving. We're going to actually define the word alms because it's very rarely used anymore. I feel like maybe Anglicans and really traditional Roman Catholics and Orthodox may be the only people left that use this word. So the actual definition of alms, according to Etymia Online, is charitable relief of the poor, especially as a religious duty. Also, that which is given to relieve the poor or needy comes from an old English word, almesa, which means almsgiving the act of relieving the needy. But this also has deeper roots in the church. It's a variant of church Latin which comes from a Greek word meaning pity or mercy, charity, alms, compassionate. Um, and it goes on and says it's actually of unknown origin and perhaps imitates cries of pleading. So charitable relief of the poor as a religious duty is the technical definition of alms. Okay, so we're going to work on, we're going to unpack that a little bit because... Um, what does it have to do with our lives every day? So I, I say that for a working definition of what almsgiving is in the Christian tradition, because many traditions, uh, Muslims and Buddhists also have to do almsgiving, it's money, goods, or time given out of love for Christ and our fellow human being. So let's bear that in mind. It's for love of Christ and our fellow human being. The past definition said that it's a religious duty. Well, that makes it sound like it's, a, like it's a law, that I have to do this thing, so I just do it, here's your money. But as we'll see, that's really not Christian almsgiving. Christian almsgiving should be done out of love of Christ. Importantly, it has to be inspired and led by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to say a word about that, because we're talking about discipline, right? So, a lot of times I come across the attitude, especially uh, amongst evangelical brothers and sisters, that it's like, well, the Spirit leads me, so I do things when the Spirit moves me. And what that generally means is I don't do anything until I feel like it. Um, if you have the Holy Spirit, you, know, you have to discern, is the Spirit leading me or not? Well, you know what you should do. You know what the fruits of the Spirit are. Those are in the Bible. So instead of feeling led by the Spirit, how about just doing the fruits 
And I'm sure the Spirit will be with you. Um, so bear that in mind. The intent is most important. This is a religious duty. So if you just do it as a duty, well, I, you know, if I don't give money, if I don't give, if I don't give something to this panhandler, if I don't give money to the church, it's going to make me look bad. I know I should do it. That's really not, once again, Christian almsgiving, Christian giving. You need to do this because God has mercy on us and we love Christ and our fellow neighbor. Alms given without charity or the Holy Spirit cannot be considered Christian almsgiving. But once again, you've got to bear in mind, there may become times when it is a struggle for you to pry open your wallet and to put some money in the plate or donate to a charity. But you do it anyway because you know it's the right thing to do. And you think, well, well, that's not really led by the Holy Spirit. But maybe it is. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit way of training you to pry that wallet open and do it. So that goes back to our discipline, right? If you just wait in the Holy Spirit when you feel charitable, probably not going to give very often. Um, I also want to say that different people will sometimes have different ways of manifesting almsgiving as the Lord has blessed you with money, time, or talents. Um, does anyone want to add to the Christian understanding of almsgiving or have a comment on this slide? Yes, Joe. Wouldn't it be more contemporarily described as spiritual gifts? Yes, but I want to be careful about that. Um, because we're going to just talk about this in a minute when we get more into tithing in the Book of Common Prayer. Um, spiritual gifts, yes, the Lord gives you gifts. And those will be your skills and talents. But my fear is, is this, because I've done this. Well, the Lord's given me a spiritual gift for being a deacon. So I don't need to give as many alms. I'm exercising my spiritual gift. So I don't have to tithe this hard because I'm tithing my time. In the Western world, money means a lot more than just you know, dollar bills. It means security. So I do say that you can exercise those spiritual gifts. If we understand the caveat is, that doesn't mean you get to skip out on tithing or money as well. But yes, and you should exercise spiritual gifts for the sake of the body. Does anyone else want to comment on that? Okay. All right. It's the thought that counts. We always hear this right when we get a lousy gift. You know, socks from my grandma or underwear that doesn't even fit us. Sometimes I get, you know, these PJs. They must think of like 300 pounds in these pajamas. Um, and I'm like, are you telling me something? Uh, so the thought that counts. Well, really what we're talking about when we talk about the thought is the will. It's your will that's involved. So let's look at some scripture. Um, the widow's two mites. She didn't give a lot monetarily. She gave all that she had. And it was her intent of the will to give up to God of everything she had. And that's what's important. Um, and I would say it goes the other way. You could give a million mites with the right heart and the Lord would ple be pleased with that as well. So don't think, well, I'm poor. I can only give my two mites, but I've got a really good will. But this rich guy doesn't give that much. Maybe the rich guy is giving out of his heart what the Lord has led him to give. So don't, we can't judge our brother on that because it's the intent of the will. Um... And I have been reading uh, one of the books I've read to prepare for this class is The Struggle for Virtue by Archbishop Averki, who's an Orthodox bishop. Um, so the quote here, works alone as such are limited. Good works do not have power and significance in and of themselves, but only as an indication and external expression of a good disposition. 
a good aspiration of the soul, a visible affirmation of the presence of goodwill in us. Um, and he also says, this means that the main thing is not works or the money, the dollar bills, but man's inner disposition. So, once again, this is a two-edged sword. We need to have a good intent and a good will with what we do. Sometimes your intent and will is not going to be where it needs to be. And you've got to do the good work anyway. That's where discipline comes in. Um, but we all know, um, of course, the scriptures are full of the Lord's teaching against the Pharisees who are full of works of charity, but without charity in their heart. So that's, that's what we're wanting to get at when we're talking about intention of the will. Did you want to have a question about intention of the will? Yes, Bob. And when you're exercising that, and let's say you're just, you got a bad attitude about the whole thing, you said just keep doing it. Is that to help us, maybe a way to help us to try to get a better attitude? Right. Absolutely. Um, uh, that's why this whole class, uh, this, to me, the importance of Christian discipline at all. Because none of these things, we are good by nature because God made us good, but we are profoundly broken. All of these things come difficult to us. None of them come just out of the spontaneity of our heart. They're inspired by the Spirit. They're led by God. And they find their end in God. So you're going to struggle to do the right thing. That includes almsgiving. So if you do almsgiving, that's a discipline. You're training yourself. You're training your will. Um, so, Father Paul hates this phrase that I have, but I'm going to say it anyway. Fake it till you make it. That happened to me. Sometimes you don't feel like doing the thing, um, but you do it because you know it's the right thing to do. I found in my life that if I did the right thing and continued to do it, my intent, my will caught up with the action. Because remember, as human persons, we're um, spirit and body, a material and immaterial portion. So I'm forcing my material portion of my body to say my prayers, to come to Mass, um, to give alms. My spirit is like, man, this is boring. I don't want to do this. I'm not getting anything out of this. But when I did this long enough, the spirit eventually got pulled and sucked over here. Conversely, go ahead, Father. Okay. Conversely, I could be full of piety and love for God and just walking on cloud nine and having angels. And I'm over here sinning like, you know, a reprobate. And what's going to happen? My, my high spirit is going to get pulled down to this body that's sinning. So let's remember that it's, it's, a, it's a give and take. Yes? It is true I hate that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> but since you mentioned my name, I'll say there's another way to look at it, which is like the Garden of Gethsemane, where Christ is about to do something he doesn't want to do. And he actually asks if there's any other way I can do this to somehow get out of this. He hears crickets. This is all right. You know, not my will, but thine be done. His food is to do the will of the Father. And in that way, you could say, well, he didn't wait until the Spirit led him. On the other hand, the Spirit was leading him. That, that tension there is very Christ-like. The garden we sent me for you might look like something totally different, but the principle is exactly the same. And, and really, as, as Father mentioned, um, Christ is actually our example for all our ascetic practices, really. Some people will think, well, Jesus was just a good rabbi, and he was like this cool hippie that floated around. But if you actually read the Bible, and look what he did. Our Lord disciplined himself very much.
Does anyone else have a comment regarding any of that? All right, so, we've, well, we've already kind of covered this, but almsgiving is part of spiritual discipline. This guy has really bad form, by the way. See how his He's not really, really doing, he's not well disciplined. Um, so, what, what specifically about almsgiving, which is Christian charity of time and money, is important for Christian discipline? And these are the things that I think the almsgiving teaches us. First of all, your property is not your own. In fact, your body is not your own. We're going to read that in just a minute. Um, I don't know about y'all, but a lot of times I catch myself naturally saying, well, I'll give some of my money to the church. Well, it's not my money. It's actually God's money. He's let me use it for a little bit. Um, So let's look at uh, some scripture references. One of these comes out of the liturgy. It's something that Father Paul prays every time we take up the offering. All things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given thee. So, we're not giving God anything he doesn't have. Um, in fact, when we, when we have the Mass, the Eucharist, the body and blood of Christ, as, as a participation in the sacrifice of Christ, we're not giving God he doesn't something, something he doesn't have. We're participating in it because God always has the Son. And he always has us. We just have to conform our will to his. All right, so uh, then we go on. Actually, Father Paul preaches really good about this. God's not a big man that sits up in heaven wanting things from us because every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. I mean, so God owns everything and that's an important lesson to remember in that hierarchy of goods and union with God. We need to remember that all things belong to him to start with. And then in the New Testament, right? St. Paul, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For you bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So, firstly, everything that we have, including our own being, belongs to God. The important part is to recognize that, which should spur us to be more cheerful givers. Um... And a lot of times, especially, I think, in the West, I think this is very American. It's very cowboy up and do this thing. We think we're a self-made man or woman. We have done these things. I'll pull myself up by my bootstraps. This is the American way. And so we get all this money and wealth. And we've started a business. We've done all these things. And really, you didn't make yourself. You used the gifts God gave you and cooperated with him. So in almsgiving... We should start to remember this stuff isn't ours. It's God's. And we're not doing, that's another thing, we're not doing God any favors by almsgiving. Sometimes I think people think, well, this church is really lucky to have me because if it wasn't for me, they wouldn't have this, this, and this. You're not doing God favors. Um, so we're trying to realign um, that hierarchy of goods and realize that our property is, it doesn't belong to us. Everything belongs to God. Does anyone want to comment on that? We'll move to the next part of spiritual discipline. Okay. Uh, we talked about the realigning the hierarchy of goods. Material goods and welfare are secondary to trust in God. I'm going to read this scripture and comment on it from St. James. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get again. Then down to verse 15, for that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live 
and do this or that. Um, so I just want to point out, St. James says, when you start off, if the Lord will, we shall live. Your very existence is due to God. You should be thankful every day. We think somehow we're entitled to live 72 years and to have family and kids and retirement. Every morning, this morning is a gift from God that we're here today and that we're alive. So um, trust in God, I think, to me, is a big part of what almsgiving helps instill in us, especially when we talk about giving. Because this happens to me. What I usually do is I, you know, get my paycheck or my money and I go, okay, I'm going to put this much in for my bills that I have to pay, put gas in the car, uh, buy my groceries. And frankly, sometimes I'll be like, then I want to buy this book or this game that I like. And then what's left over down here, I'll tie, I'll tie that. I give some of that to God. And the reason I do that is because I want to take care of myself and I want to feel secure. I want to feel like the power's on. I've got food in the larder. Um, family and I are not going to go hungry. I'm going to make sure that I take care of that with this money that I've got. Well, I'm not really trusting God. I'm trying to take control of that myself. When we tithe, when we give, it should be from the first fruits. You take that right off the top. I am going to give this to God. The rest of this, I'll take care of my needs. That's difficult for me to do because sometimes I think, I've got this bill I've got to pay. God, God you don't understand. I have got to keep the power on, you know. I need to have the internet. Um, but I really think that way. I think, you know, uh, how many times have you thought, like, man, I've read, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills this month. Um, it comes down to fear and not trusting the Lord. If you just go ahead and give, what you're doing is you're placing your hands completely, placing yourself completely in the hands of God. You can actually give and say, I don't know how I'm going to pay the power bill or how I'm going to get gas in my car. But I know that this stuff that I have already belongs to God. And I'm going to realize that Christian duty first is to return to God the things that are his. And then I'm going to rely on him to solve those other needs. So it's a discipline. It's an overcoming of fear. And um, it's something I struggle with, too. I mean, sometimes it's like, whoa, I can make this month. Does anyone have a, have a comment on trusting the Lord with almsgiving? How you kind of, it's like stepping out on a, on a platform. And actually, okay, now I'm rambling. I heard a really great uh, priest give a talk one time. He said that God's redemption for us is basically the Lord grabbing us and jumping into the deep end of the lake with no life preserver and no raft out in the middle of nowhere. And him saying, Do you trust me? Because every instinct that you have says, Nope, this is bad. <laughs> But that's what a redemption is, jumping into the deep end of the lake with Christ and trusting him. All right. So that leads straight into giving can help you discipline yourself to overcome fear and insecurity. So we've got a lot of scripture references here, but our Lord preaches this again and again. Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat? In the body of the raiment, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto a stature. God so clothed the grass of the field which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven. Shall he not much more clothe you, or you have little faith? Yet, now, the last part I also want to get with you, for you have the poor with you always, and whensoever you will, you may do them good, but me you have not always. Um, so, 
this is actually a really radical call to trust in God. There's so much that Jesus says that we've heard it for so long that it's like, yeah, yeah, that's great. But if you actually stop and think about it, it's, it's very difficult. Um, we all have insecurities. We all worry about what we're going to eat and what we're going to wear. And what we're trying to do in almsgiving and spiritual discipline is cultivate an attitude that St. Paul, I think, has where it doesn't matter what's going on in your life, you're trusting the Lord. I don't care if I'm shipwrecked or if I'm beaten. I don't care if I'm rich or if I'm poor. And a lot of the early church fathers talk about this. Um, for me, it's St. Ignatius of Loyola would call that you have an indifference to your attitude in life because you trust in God. So it doesn't matter if you're sick or healthy. So giving should help cultivate that attitude of indifference to your material circumstances. Um, and I just wanted to point out the last scripture reference. For ye have the poor with you always, and whatsoever you will, you may do them good. So there's an attitude that sometimes pops up, and it's not always wrong, where you're, you're like, the church, especially if you look at these huge cathedrals, there's gold on the altar and all that, and you go, wow, that could be sold and all given to the poor. Well, that's sort of what Judas said when the lady broke the alabaster flask and put it on his feet. And Judas was like, couldn't that have gone to the poor? So when you give to the church and the church has nice things, you're not doing wrong. Um, sometimes there's this attitude that we should always just be doing these charitable works and not giving to the church. Like if I am a good person and give to a united way or goodwill or something. That is my Christian duty. That's not actually your Christian duty. You should be giving to the church first. And those other charities, as good as they are, should be second. Um, because glorifying God is never a secondary issue. Um, and that's to point out that you're all, we're always going to have poverty with this. Um, there's always going to be those people. Um, and I, I don't think anyone here really suffers from the health and wealth gospel. Uh, but, you know, folks get up and say, well, if you're a good Christian, you're going to be happy, healthy, and wealthy. Not really. Jesus was a good Christian and got nailed to a cross for it. So, anyway. Uh, does anyone want to comment on overcoming fear and insecurity? Yes. Would you comment on the, that prayer of Jabez book that was related to this? That was so popular for a while. I know very little about that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, just, I know it was a thing for a while. But. Oh, okay, well, it was a book that said, if you pray this prayer, you will get right. this and this and this. And everybody wanted, you know, because they wanted to be successful. Kind of like, you know, I mean, and I've heard that before. If you, if you tithe, God will bless you. And so the reason for tithing is because you want to be blessed. Yeah. And I would, I would point out that that's actually right. If you tithe, God will... I'm sorry, Bob. Uh, if you tithe, God will bless you. And he might bless you by making you poor and breaking your pride. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Bob, go ahead. If, if you're there and, you know, but that's it. You, you bought food, you mm -hmm. have nothing else, or you just don't have any dollars. Mm -hmm. What does one do in... Substitute for that. Right. Um, some people just don't have money. No, no, absolutely. I understand. Um, there's, there's two answers to that question. One, of the, one, is to a, one is to something you didn't actually answer. So, first of all, especially in third world countries, 
You give what you have. We give money because that's what we trade in in the Western world. I think Father Paul will tell you in the Philippines, they'll bring fruit and agricultural products. Um, when I was at the Catholic Church in China, uh, the people would come up to the altar and leave, not as a Eucharist, but they would leave baskets of fruit around the altar. We would do the Eucharist with bread and wine, and then people would come up and take the fruit afterwards. So people were offering what they had. And it may be the case where you don't have much, but maybe you've got something that you're good at, a skill or talent. You can, you can use that as a charitable act. However, I would, I would say that most people, and I, I run into this because this is what I kind of talked about. In the West, I think it's important that you try to give money because that's important to us. Because a lot of times I'll, I'll say this, I'll be like, I'm poor. I just came out of uh, seminary. I got bills to pay. I got mouths to feed. Um, so I'm just going to give my time to God because I don't have a whole lot of money. And what, I, what I'm actually saying is, I don't want to give this money to God, so I'm going to give him time instead. So be, be careful of that. Yes, you can donate your time and talents, and many people in this church do that. We have beautiful things around this church because folks are skilled and they're exercising those gifts for the Lord. But at the same time that we're, that we're doing our, our, our gifts and skills, I think that if you learn to donate your money, that's a discipline that will help you in your walk with the Lord. Yes, yes, it is. Um, that's true. So some of this has to be according to circumstances. Um, and different circumstances will, will, will dictate. You'll kind of know what you need to tithe or what you need to give. Okay, so any other, anything else on giving, tithing, overcoming fear? Right. And he'll tell me. So should I not be planning? Um, that's, well, that's where we'll get, yes, you should be planning. So let me just this slide. That's why actually, um, I was actually raised to, to hate the word tithing. I was, thought, I was taught that was kind of an Old Testament concept. Don't worry about that. Um, but I'm going to say that tithing is good. We talked about planning. I've emphasized that we should have a prayer rule. And the rule is a set thing that we try to do every day to get our prayer life disciplined. If you just give as you are able or give when you give a windfall, you're not really disciplining or planning. If you're like, every time I get a, a paycheck, I'm going to give 10% or $20 or whatever, regardless of what's going on in my life at that time, that's a discipline. That's your um, tithing rule. And I'm going to say that that's a good thing. Just as you sometimes will break your prayer rule. I can't pray this evening because I have so many things going on. I, you give yourself a little leeway to break it. There might come a time when, when your planning of your tithe gets broken. But the goal is to have a discipline where you get back to that. So you should plan to give. Um, and uh, I th it's... Once again, I think it goes back to trusting the Lord and stepping out. If you always say, I'm going to give 10% off the top of my paycheck every time I get a paycheck, that's a plan, that's a discipline. And you're also trusting God that he will supply whatever you lack that month because you already have given your 10%. Is that kind of getting what? Okay. 
Um, so alms in the Book of Common Prayer, a lot of you probably don't know this is in here, but ministers know because we get paid by the church. Um, there's actually rubrics in the Book of Common Prayer. It says the minister is ordered from time to time to advise the people whilst they are in health to make wills arranging for the disposal of their temporal goods and when of ability to leave bequests for religious and charitable uses. Um, so that's right out of the Book of Common Prayer. And I would say that there are many things that have been done around this church, and Father Paul could go into it, that have come about because people have done this, this exact thing. They've left money to the church. Um, and we've used some, I believe some of the beautiful things we have in our, in our nave have come directly from funding that people have left, Father. Um, so time and skill, this is, goes to what Bob said. Alms can be expressed in multiple ways. We've talked about this charitable giving for love of Christ. And some of that giving can come from your skill and talent in crafting work and business. Just don't forget that your skill and talent, just as God owns your money, the skills and talents he owns as well. Those are his gifts to you. Labor on behalf of Christ's church. There's many activities that are done around this church that you may notice that have come about through people donating their time and their skill as a craftsman. However, uh, I want to hit this last point. In the West, be careful not to de- neglect giving money in lieu of giving your times and talents. Because, I, like I said, I've done this. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm giving a lot of time to the church, so I'm not going to give money. This is what it really comes down to. I'm, I'm poor, and I want to make my payments. So to salve my conscience, I'm going to tell myself, look at all the time I give to the church. But really, I'm not trusting the Lord to take care of me to give that money because I'm scared. Uh, but time and skill are definitely ways that you can perform almsgiving. Um, so some outreach ministries that St. George supports, probably most of you are aware of most of these, and they're posted on the board. Greer Outreach Ministries, there's a little food cart here. But you can also, I've gone down there um, to volunteer. Um, you can go down there and shelve groceries for the folks or give out clothing. Um, let's not forget our APA Lenten Appeal, which is building church buildings for people in the Philippines. Remember, those people um, can do a lot with, with, with what we give them. Our money goes a long way for these foreign churches. Uh, the most, that's the Ministry Outreach for Slavic Tribes, for the Panamarevs. Um, y'all are probably familiar with them. They've given presentations here, but they reach um, uh, Slavic peoples that have come into the States. And they're also, as Father Paul's been emphasizing, they have a way for us to support uh, refugees in the Ukraine. There's a Women's Auxiliary Ministries posted on the board. You can check that out for different things that you can get involved with. And I would also say in that, you can look at things... Um, altar guild and uh, cleaning the church. We, we, I believe we're still asking for some, maybe a cleaning team for the church. These are also ways to give back to God. Uh, there's Piedmont Women's Center, which helps women that are having uh, difficult pregnancies and are in crisis and considering abortion. And there's Project Linus, which some of our folks do, which I believe is knitting blankets for newborns and such. So these are very practical ways. Having said all this, don't do all these things and not give to the church. Remember, the, we want to give, um, do charity as much as we can. But if you are going and giving all your money to goodwill and not giving any money to St. George, you are wrong. You need to give some money to St. George so I can get paid. All right, questions or comments? Have, 
any comments going forward on this portion? Yes. Yes. Right. Yes, absolutely. And that's that's the whole point. Uh, I, I'm not trying to like beat you over the head, give 10% or, or whatever. That's why I struggle with this. Um, just as our prayer rule, we need to take baby steps. It might be just praying the psalm a day. Maybe take baby steps. Maybe you don't tithe at all. So maybe giving 2% is like a big step for you. Now, please realize that's the first step. Keep, keep, keep stepping forward. Um, but... Don't beat yourself up necessarily if you don't give 10%, but maybe do something. If you've not tithed at all, maybe take a small tithe. If you've not considered giving any time to the church, maybe consider cleaning the church. Um, so you can't, you, you, baby steps, steps at a time. Anybody have anything else? Yes. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else? Yes. Sort of What is your bounden duty as a member of the church? My bounden duty is to follow Christ, to worship God every Sunday in his church, and to work and pray and give yeah. for the spread of his kingdom. Well, um, I could have thrown a lot more scriptures, and these are things that pop in my head, but let's not forget that um, when the centurion had the angel visit him, after Christ had ascended, the apostles were left behind. We read in Acts the story of the centurion, who was a pious believer. The angel visited him. What did the angel say? He said, one of the things, your alms have come up before the Lord for a remembrance. Um, so your charitable giving is important. It does, it does have an actual meaning. And of course, it was the centurion's interior disposition to do God's will. But the, the angel specifically says, your alms have come up as a remembrance before the Lord. All right. Please bring your prayer books next time if you don't. Um, and if you do your morning offices and evening offices, then it, I'm sorry, you'll just have to deal with learning them again. So thank you.